Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast brought to you by Wild Edge Inc. If this is your first time listening, I'm your host, Walt, and on this show, we share stories and experiences from all over the outdoor industry, ranging from North America to Africa, all over the globe. We're bringing you stories that uh, we feel like will impact you and uh, excite you to chase your outdoor dreams. Just get up and get outside and go have a blast. This week we got to speak to a guy from Maryland, and we got to talk about something he's very passionate about, which is bow fishing. We really wanted to talk about bow fishing and uh, the upcoming deer season, but we ran out of time, so we're going to break this into two parts, and I'm going to have him back on the show here shortly. So I'm really excited to say that this week's guest is Garrett Benner of The Modern Assassin. He's a really down-to-earth guy who just captures all his outdoor passions on film and uploads it to YouTube so that y'all can enjoy it. And we talk bow fishing, and... We kind of talk about a topic that's kind of controversial for a lot of people, which is bow fishing the cow nose ray. Now, there's a lot of information, a lot of misinformation, and a lot of unknown surrounding this topic. There's a, a couple different sects of people that believe different things about the cow nose ray. On this podcast, we operate on the larger body of evidence about the cow nose ray. And there are some other articles that have popped up that suggest that the cow nose ray isn't having quite the effect that they are. But none of this science is as solid as this one body, which is that the cow nose ray is is having an adverse effect on the environment. This is something that Garrett is very passionate about. He, he feels like this is something that he can contribute to the conservation of an area, and much of the science suggests that he is. It's a delicate limbo, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of mixed feelings by people who listen, and uh, I appreciate that, and I appreciate a dialogue that's civil and kind of allows for everybody to be heard, but we need to acknowledge that there is a larger body of evidence right now that does suggest that what Garrett is saying is true and that how he's operating is fair. So I expect everybody to be kind and civil and uh, have a dialogue surrounding peer-reviewed art- articles and what they've shown us to date. And I can assure you that Garrett's a man of science, and if there's a large body of non-biased evidence that comes out and says that the cow nose race should not be harvested in the way they are or that they're not having the impact that they are, he'd adhere to that. But up until now, that just isn't quite there yet. There's a lot more that needs to be explored. So uh, that being said, before we get to the episode, I'm going to do our Patreon shout out. And this week we have a new patron that's Joe and Holly Edenfield, who recently joined the Patreon uh, family. Thank you so much for choosing to support this show, choosing to 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 commit to helping uh, sponsor this show. I really appreciate it, and uh, be on the lookout here shortly for some goodies being sent your way. And of course, we're going to read another review to highlight some of the awesome reviews. I think we're up to 53 now that we've got for the podcast, and I'm loving it. Uh, this week, we're going to talk, we're going to hear from Fireman87 that says, can't wait until Chase gets back from Kansas so we can hear about the monster buck slash bucks he's snagged. Keep up the good work, Walt. Well, you're in luck. Stay tuned. Chase and I just recorded part two of the Kansas out-of-state bow hunting trip, and that should be coming up any week now. So you're in luck, Fireman87. I really appreciate you taking the time to to leave us a review, and I'll be sure to send you a decal with the next batch that's being cranked out. We had some trouble with the vinyl, didn't stick quite right, but we're back on the right path, and I'll give those out to you very shortly. If you haven't sent me your address already, send it to me so that I can get you on the list. All right, guys, I have spoke for the last couple minutes now, and I think it's time we get on to the show. And also, 
In case you didn't notice, I didn't talk about our sponsor too much, and there's a reason for that. At the end of the podcast, we do a lot of talking about the Wild Edge system, and we've got a really cool giveaway for you. So stay tuned to the very end to hear about the awesome giveaway that we're doing, and I got a little surprise there at the end for you as well. So so let's get to the show. Garrett Benner, my guest for the night. How you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing all right, man. What's happening? Dude, I am. I This is the w- second worst period for me of the year. The first worst is like midsummer when there's like nothing for me to do and it's too hot outside. Now I'm on the tail end of summer. It's still too hot, but I'm close <laughs> enough I'm close enough to uh fall activities that I'm like dude foaming at the mouth sometimes. Well, I mean, I ain't gonna lie, it's been it's been really hot up here too this summer. Um I don't know if you noticed, but but my uh my big beard kind of fell off. <laughs> <laughs> Once it got to about triple digits up here, that that all that face wool had to go. But man, for me, there's no off season. You know, um, it, it seasons always overlap. I'm always late starting for something because I'm still wrapped up in something. You know, <laughs> like for me, it's it's uh, it, whitetail bow hunting is about to begin. And besides shooting my bow and making sure I'm, I'm proficient with my bow, I'm still wrapped up in bow fishing. You know what I mean? Right. I, as far as a, a whitetail hunter would be concerned, I'm behind on the game right now for as close <laughs> as season is. But you know, I'm 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 wrapped up in bow fishing. So so let's let's give the listeners kind of a heads up as to who you are. Um, you are the modern assassin. You hail That's me. you hail from the Northeast. Yep. Where specifically? Maryland. Maryland. Right. Right. Uh, yep. Not too far. I'm right by the Maryland Pennsylvania line. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. So I'm a northern Maryland. Yep. You're not too far out of the south. Uh. You, well, I mean, you're still in striking. Uh, I'm, I'm in the free state. I, I'm below the Mason Dixon, <laughs> but whatever. I got you. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm south. <laughs> I got you. Well, dude, why don't you give everybody kind of like a rundown as to who you are and uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight? yeah um i'm uh i mean i'm just like everybody else that has a, a hardcore passion i think um you know i ain't i ain't nobody special I, I work hard and i spend all the money i got on the things that i'm passionate about and uh you know once it, it kind of all started with filming skateboarding as a kid and getting involved with capturing everything on film that once i got consumed with bow hunting um, it was no different. Um, I had to film everything. Uh, and now that's the, it's the same with bow fishing. Um, but yeah, I do all my own productions. I have, you know, no sponsors, um, no pro staff to speak of. I just kind of roll and do my own thing. Uh, my, my, my whole thing is raw, real, no bullshit. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't, I, I always say I, I aim to kill. Uh, I don't aim to please. You know what I mean? Um, it's it, uh, I just I don't see the point in in a lot of the I guess the way people get wrapped up in it and have to portray an image. Man, that's that's not me. This isn't an image. This is just what I do every day. I enjoy it. And the thing I really love about it is showing others and when I can teaching other people. I mean, I, I love sharing the information I have and, and other people being successful, you know, because then they get to, I feel like they get to experience the passion and excitement that I'm so passionate and get so excited about, you know, I'm with you. And I think that's a, that's one reason why I'm particularly excited for tonight's conversation, because we have a lot of great guests on here that share a lot of information. Um, we got a lot of great guests that come on here and tell some awesome stories, but you are, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you don't want this title, but I'd say you're a subject matter expert in, uh, the bow fishing that we're going to talk. I don't want to tease it too, to give it away too soon, but you're a subject matter, matter expert in the area we're going to be talking about. Um, it, it, I think we're going to talk about something that's going to be an incredibly fun topic for everyone else. Yeah, it's I, I know what you're alluding to, and um, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of them things not many people know about, and people generally have the same exact reaction every time, and that is, holy shit. 
Like <laughs> that, it just seems like that's the reaction everyone gives me. Now, I wouldn't say I'm an expert, you know, um, that's for sure. I always have more to learn. There's people that I'm always learning from just as much as I'm trying to help out. Um, but this is something, again, that I'm very passionate about. And because I am passionate about it, I do educate myself in it. I do research. Um, I don't want to ever tell someone else something um, and seem like an expert, if that makes sense. Uh, when, when I give information, I want to make sure I'm giving correct information or what I feel is correct information. Most of the information I have is gathered through experience, which is different as well. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess you were talking about the cow nose rays in the Chesapeake Bay. <laughs> I, I am indeed. Let's just go. <laughs> why don't we just go ahead and cut right to it? Um, one of the things we're going to be talking about tonight is going to be the topic of bow fishing. And um, I know there's going to be somebody right now who's listening to the podcast and they're thinking, dude, it's September. Bow fishing is a summer activity. September is not a uh, a summer month, but. Uh, from watching you and watching Andrew and some other people, bow fishing is damn near a year-round activity. If there's not ice, you can find fish. I mean, that, and seriously, where I am, that's what we got to wait until the ice clears. So I'm right. ready to go bow fishing. I got the boat ready to go, but a lot of times, I literally have to wait until the ice breaks up until we can start cruising to shoot them. Well, <laughs> and to to just so everybody knows, you're serious. We attempted to record this back in July, um, uh-huh. and you had a narrow window. You're like, "Yeah, dude, I'd love to podcast. I'm going bow fishing tonight." And then halfway through the recording, I had lightning strike near the house, and I lost the first half of the recording. And you were like, "Dude." I love you, bro, but uh, I'm going bow fishing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you went out that night had, and hammered uh, I actually had one of my boys from Tattooed in the Wild uh, here staying with me, and and uh, we were doing some bow fishing. And it, I tell you what, the weather here in the Northeast this year has been insane. I what, mean, what you mean? really, Elaborate. really, really bad flooding, flash floods, everything, really bad storms. And it's been really hard to work around. And that was one of them nights that we were like – man, it's kind of, we got a small window and we did end up running across the upper bay that night to get away from a lightning storm. And really? Had to fish. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily it was just a, a fairly isolated storm and we were able to run across and fish and scout some other areas that we wanted to, but never uh, put the time in until, you know, we had to get out of Dodge for a little bit, but yeah, we got out, made it happen. Like I said, um, you know, I, I don't just, uh, say i'm doing it i'm i'm doing something every day you know you're you're, you're not just a pretty beard is what you're trying to say i got I'm you man. pretty much even without the beard i'm pretty but yeah i'm always doing <laughs> so let's let's do this man because i think we could dive into this i think people would love the topic right off the bat but i'm sure there's a lot of people who uh maybe don't know about how to bow fish that you know let's kind of set the stage for them um some people bow fish from kayaks some people bow fish from bridges when you go bow fishing, what time of day are you going and kind of like how do you go about doing it? Um, well, the, that that's a good way to lead into it and for, for me to explain that it bow fishing is one of them things that almost anyone can do. Kind of, you know, it takes a lot to get involved in hunting and to get proficient with a bow and get near a whitetail and effectively put a lethal shot on that animal. And it's very intimidating to get into. Um, equipment's expensive, everything else. Bow fishing, my, my bow, first bow fishing bow that I've killed a hell of a lot of fish with was uh, old Jennings bow with with the, with the round little cams from probably the early 80s. Tag, I'm right. You I know what I mean? When I was a kid. It, you know, with the steel cables, oh, not yeah. even a real string on the damn thing, you know, <laughs> but you can take a recurve, anything else. But, and, and the thing is, you know, when you're hunting, you get to release one arrow. Well, bow fishing, there's a string attached to it. You let that arrow fly, you pull it back, you let it fly again, and you just keep on doing it. The other thing is, you know, bow, bow hunting for whitetail or whatever else when you release that shot, you have to make sure you hit that target in a specific spot for it to be a lethal and effective shot. Bow fishing, you just hit the damn thing, and now you got it hooked. 
You just have to make contact. So the point is, and I tell people all this all, all the time, you know, that um, come out with me or, or I'm, I'm teaching to do it, whatever. They'll come out and they'll draw back and then they don't shoot and like, oh, he was moving fast or I don't know. It looked a little deep or I didn't really have a good shot. Well, you're never going to hit a fish that you don't shoot at. Let it rip. Let it rip. Pull that arrow. If you miss, so what? You got a little bit more practice. Reel it in and get ready to do it again. You know, I, I make I make shots to people like, oh, my God, I didn't even see that fish or that fish was going 100 miles an hour. How did you hit that? Because I let the arrow fly nine times out of 10. I'm going to miss. But when I do connect with that crazy shot, you know, it, it seems like something epic. But you ain't ever going to make it if you don't try quickly. Uh, without getting into it too much, if someone was really thrifty, they utilized like all the resources around them. What dollar amount would it cost someone? Let's say that's already a bow hunter. What what would it cost them to get into this and just have fun? Okay, if you're already a bow hunter, um, chances are you have or you have access to an old bow or a recurve or you, you know what I mean? You, you really only need 20, 25 pound draw to shoot fish. Really? Um, yeah, you, you don't need, you, I mean, you think about your shots. You, you, if you're shooting over 15 feet, 10, 10 feet's a long shot, 15 feet, you're getting out there any longer than that. You know, it, you don't, you don't have it happen much, um, with the, because you got to remember where you see that fish is not where that fish physically is. Um, have you ever stuck something in the water and you notice a straight fishing rod all of a sudden looks like it's bent in the middle at like a 40 degree angle, right? Well, that's because the light, you know, everything you see is simply light reflect refraction and the way the water refracts the light, that fish is not physically where you see it. So you have to learn to aim low to account for the refraction. The deeper the fish, the lower you aim. The further the fish, the lower you aim. But like anything else, it becomes instinctive. Um, you know, that's another thing. For, for bow fishing, you generally don't have a sight. You generally don't have a release. You know, you're shooting fingers in a recurve style. Even if you're shooting a compound bow, you're shooting fingers in a recurve style, an instinctive shooting style. Um, and you can start with anything from, you know, uh, a, a spool that mounts to the front of your reel, that, uh, front of your bow that costs maybe 35 bucks or so in a 10 to $15 arrow. And hand line them in, you know, you shoot and you hand line it, wrap it back around that thing. Um, there's other ones that are pretty much like your, you know, your Zebco fishing reels. You push the thumb button and cast that thing out. Well, there's a lot of reels just like that for bow fishing. You push the button, you shoot. And then as soon as you start to reel, it engages the reel you reel in. Um, what I typically use is a bottle reel, uh, which, mounts to the side of the bow kind of on the shelf where where the where your sight uh and quiver would normally mount in a bow hunting setup um and that operates a little different it's got a thicker line to it um which i really need for fighting these rays i mean i don't i don't like using them spinning reels with drag um it takes too long to fight in a big fish uh, I like having a bottle reel that I can grab the line and have a little more horsepower on. But, um, you know, another thing you were touched on uh, or asked was time of day. Um, really, to me, the any time of day except for the first hour of light and last hour of light. And that being because the sun is at such a steep angle. It's it's hard to ever see into the water and your lights aren't quite penetrating the water yet. Um, but I've killed many fish and many rays during the day and many fish and many rays during night under the lights. Is there a preferred like window of time? Like, is there a uh, golden light, hour like in whitetail hunting? Um, it that depends on tide. A lot of times, um, you know, now you're dealing with tide um, and weather as well, just like whitetail hunting. But I try to, uh, depending on what I'm fishing, depends what kind of tide I want, what kind of area. But 
pretty much for everything, I like to have a moving tide. Um, slack tide is generally uh, the least productive for me in in whatever I'm fishing. If I if I'm shooting in tidal waters, do you, do you think that just correlates to to how fish just don't tend to move much in that time period? Anyways, is that the I th- I think it's that uh, not so much that the the fish or what you are targeting is not necessarily moving, but those much smaller prey uh fish and crustaceans and insects and things like that Uh, they're all moving when the tide's moving all that food's getting flushed around for fish to be grabbing you know what i mean whereas a slack tide everything's just kind of sitting there that makes sense that makes total sense so summary is don't go the first hour of sunrise sunset couple hundred dollars max and you're in yeah yeah i mean and you can go as steep as you want i mean you can buy bows that are just as expensive as any of your whitetail hunting compound bows but you don't need that um you know i i dealt with just uh like i said an old bow from the early 80s for for years that's what i was shooting and and i was reeling in some big fish (laughs) that's awesome man so we we've kind of set that stage. You go out on a boat itself with, with lights, kind of kind of like what you'd see on TV, right? Uh, for the most part, yep, yep. I've built my own built my own boat. Um, not the boat itself, but the deck and the light system and everything. Yeah, and 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 if y'all want to see that boat build, I believe it's on Instagram, isn't it? Yeah, I've got a lot of pictures on Instagram. Um, you know, and if people are really curious about these uh, cow nose rays, um. You know, you can go to my YouTube and I have a video called Save the Bay, uh, uh, Save the Bay Stingray. And the reason it's titled that is because these rays really are devastating portions of the ecosystem of the Chesapeake Bay. So let's cut right into that. There, there are. OK, well, the I guess the first thing to to note is the cow knows are a native species they are not an invasive species they are absolutely a nuisance species and that they, they, they show basically a lot of the characteristics and traits of a uh invasive species but they are in fact native but what has happened is throughout the years um i don't know if you ever heard of this movie called jaws but you know (laughs) after that movie and several other things came out a lot of people are afraid of sharks and they don't want sharks in their bays and their swimming areas by their beaches and everything else and the shark populations up here have basically been reduced to about uh, 15%, 20% what they were. Holy and cow. they are, yeah, yeah. And that that's the only thing that will feed on these cow nose rays. So you've taken away the predator and without any other predator, their numbers have just exploded beyond what can really be supported in the Chesapeake Bay, which is where many of them come to birth and then nurse their young. Um, and that, and that is why there's a big emotional tie to it is because a lot of it involves the birthing and nursing. You know, I'm going to have to be honest with you. This seems to be sharing a very similar root problem to a lot of our other environmental problems where uh, there's a, there's a conflict over the overpopulation and a lack of an awareness that, uh, maybe humans are at fault for that overpopulation. It, oh, it's absolutely, um, you know, this is an absolutely man-made problem, like most of them. And people always want to think that, well, if you just leave nature alone, it'll balance itself. And and that's true if man would stop existing, because just by our existence, we are heavily influencing nature and process and everything else, just by our simple existence. Um, so... It's not something as easy as, well, if we just don't kill them, the ocean will figure it out. No, it's 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 beyond that. It's a man-made problem that man needs to fix. Um, but they feed heavily on, uh, you know, razor clams and oysters, and there's big 
uh, oyster bar restoration projects going on that some of them are just completely wiped out in a day or two by these these cow nose rays they eat a lot of the bait fish uh they eat a lot of the blue crabs and the the small blue crabs the peeler crabs everything else and you know one of the biggest arguments for shooting them up here in the chesapeake bay is a study that came out saying that oh they don't really eat crabs and clams and oysters our studies say that they are full of shrimp and soft body things more well that's a study done on rays down in the Gulf of Mexico. So why are you going to find a Chesapeake Bay blue crab in a ray in the Gulf of Mexico? You're not. And I can tell you when those rays get up here and I cut them open, that a bunch of shells fall out. And there ain't no Gulf shrimp in them because they're not in the Gulf. You know, there's there's a big difference. You you, you got to compare it, you know, the way it should be compared. And that's one of the biggest things they say. And I get it. I mean, they are absolutely, you know how geese fly in a V? Oh, yeah. These cownos will swim in a diamond. And, I mean, it's really, really cool looking to see. I mean, but it doesn't deter from the fact that they are uh, uh, devastating the natural ecosystem, even though they are part of it. They need controlled. Um, you know, and another thing they say is you, you can't eat them, that they, you know, they, they taste like ammonia and all. Well, it's all in processing. These rays, they'll pass their urine and toxins through their skin, through osmosis, like many things that live in the water and certain shark species do. But if you cut the clean meat away and put the clean meat away in your cooler, it's pretty good eating. But they don't want to tell you that. They just want to tell you you can't eat it. It's like, well, I mean, does your carrot taste like dirt? No, you, you washed it off. You peeled it off. <laughs> is, is your pineapple poking your mouth? No, you, you handled it properly and did what you needed to do to, to harvest it and, and then use it properly. I mean, it's just that simple. Um, it, it's people that want uh, money and donation money, and they're feeding false, falsified information to get emotion reaction and therefore some extra money toward their calls, even if it's uh, misleading and skewed. And, you know, it, the, the sad thing is a lot of these people that would call themselves animal activists, you know, they're not really doing what's best for the animal. They're doing or, or the environment. They're doing what's best for what makes them feel good. <laughs> right. Well, and they're, they're, they're oftentimes not super active in the solution either. Right. Like, I'm, I, you know, they're out there condemning. Most people are highly opinionated and weakly educated. I mean, it's it, it's it's just the way it is now. You know, everybody's got something to say because they read a Facebook tagline. You know, they they haven't uh, delve into the story to really know what's going on to have that opinion. Or they read it with a confirmation bias, and they're like, "Okay, well, this one article said something that I thought it was going to exactly, say." Exactly. You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> the rays—they only eat shrimp, so. <laughs> yeah, but I tell you what, man, people don't really know. What shooting array is like these cow nose because I was actually just took a trip and I was able to shoot some different species of race. I, I was shooting Atlantic race and um, I actually shot some decent sized ones and uh, they, they were fairly good eating too. I'd say the table fare was actually a little bit better than the cow nose race, but I tell you what, they are weak compared to oh, really? <laughs> man. I. I've seen grown men get ripped off the boats before. Um, I've almost been ripped off the boat several times. I've, I've had the line cut through all four fingers down to the bone and had to super glue them back together to keep going. You know, uh, I've had 250 pound test break in my hands, um, braided 250 pound line break in my hands. I can't tell you how many times. And that's why, all my bows now, I'm shooting that RPM Gorilla Wire that's like 600-pound test. I ain't breaking that. I mean, <laughs> you, you're going to pull me, the boat, and, and the rest of the world before you're going to snap that thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so so it's funny because when we, you and I first started talking, I, I can't remember now how it was when we first started talking, but I think it was through Instagram. 
and uh, I had heard you on the Working Class Bowhunter podcast. Um, yeah, yeah, shout out Working Class. That's it. And I was like, oh, this guy seems really down to earth, really cool. So I looked you up on Instagram. Actually, I looked you up on YouTube, actually, and I saw that video. And it's 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 straight carnage. Just call it what it is. I mean, y'all put a hurting on. Yeah, yeah, we have, <laughs> we certainly have. And the thing is, is you can go back and do it every, every day, without noticing a difference. So, I'm going to ask the, the 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 obvious question here: Is can you make a difference through this solution? Um. I mean, you are making a difference. Sure. I mean, you think about uh, an overpopulation of deer. You know what I mean? Like sure. you're knocking a doe out. You're not only taking that one doe. You're also taking its next next year's offspring. So if you take one out now, you're potentially knocking out two or three from next year's. Right. Numbers. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're absolutely um, – it is making a difference, I would think. Um, is it noticeable? Is it scalable because of how large the Chesapeake is and everything as to it? Uh, I'm not sure, but I can tell you when I was going down there and shooting 50 rays a night several nights a week that um, – the crabbing and razor clamming got a lot better in them areas for a little while. <laughs> well, I think also, um, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't the, didn't you tell me that the cow nose ray is uh, a very slow reproducing uh, organism, and that's also another reason why people said they couldn't be overpopulated? Now, from what I've read, it does take several years for them to mature to where they are breeding age, and. But what I've also read in all that is that they only birth one. Um, and I can tell you that that is false. I have had more than one fall out of a ray more than once. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Several. Um, you, you, you know what I mean? It, it's not it's not uncommon. You throw one in, ray in the boat and you look back a little later and there's three. Wow. Well, you know, that that's still an encouraging thing if it takes a while to mature and it's a relatively low pro, uh, reproducer because then that, that goes to say that, you know, every one you take out of there uh, has a, even more exaggerated, you know, because... Absolutely, you know, yeah. See, from year to year, you will notice the compounding effect right, more and more. Right, yes, exactly. Absolutely. So uh, if you're listening to this and... You're thinking, you know what? I'm really bored uh, about nine months out of the year when I can't deer hunt or whatever. Uh, Garrett will gladly take you to all his honey holes so that you can save. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But <laughs> I, I have a lot of people ask me where I'm fishing. And yeah, I, I will tell the water. exactly every time. <laughs> I am right in the wet spot. <laughs> so get there and and you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, based based on the sounds of this, if y'all shine a light in the water for long enough, you're going to start stumbling on rays. So, uh, uh, dude, it, I tell you what, and that. And, you know, you're talking, you're joking around about giving away fishing holes yeah. and stuff like that. And the thing is, is with fishing, you know, that is a lot different. Um, you know, you do try to keep your fishing hole. And I do mean bow fishing, shooting right. fish. You know, um, you do have honey holes and spots. Um, now, with the rays, you don't really have, they, they're constantly moving. They never stop. They're never still. They're constantly moving. And you may not find them in the same spot, um, but you may find them in the same river. And I'm just covering a shit ton of water until I can find out where they're either traveling or where they're feeding. And once I find them, I'm generally only traveling 100 yards, turn around, travel that 100 yards, and I will run that. And sometimes, you know, it's it's the last two hours that we're shooting 50 rays. Holy um, cow. Now, other times you get out there and uh, they're not hard to find. You don't got to go far and you can just light into them. I mean, several times, you know, someone shoots a ray and I'm down in the boat pulling it in and gaffing it and getting the arrow out and everything else. And people shoot more as they're going by because they're just in that that. uh they're kind of in that movement migration 
Um, and if you're in the right area, they'll come right past you without you even have to move sometimes. Now, what's crazy is um, I was having some of my friends from Tattooed in the Wild come down to shoot. And uh, I went out and did some kind of pre-scouting and stuff. And me and a couple friends, we filled two 50-gallon drums. And we called it quits after that. And I remember it took 52 rates to fill the two 50-gallon drums. Now, when I took the boys and uh, and Steph, I can't forget Steph, the chick from Tattooed in a while. <laughs> when I took all <laughs> them out, uh, we filled the two barrels with 28 rays. The rays that we were shooting were just such hammers that – uh, and just so big, it filled it up. Um, actually, we have on film, I shot, and we have film of us white and everything, a 61-pound uh, cow nose ray. And I believe the state record is like 41 or 42. Um, and we've shot many up in the 50s, low 50s. Uh, you know, they, they're always 49, 51, 52, and could never seem to break that. And then I hit one was like, this this thing's significantly bigger, and it was 61 pounds. Jesus, that's a yeah. huge ray, dude. And when you they, – they're all muscle. They're, they're nothing but a big, hard, solid head and then a giant left muscle and giant right muscle that make up wings first flying through the water and i mean i'm that we've seen reels that it's people holding on to the bell when they spool it and they rip the reel and the threads right out of the bell no um, oh yeah yeah uh you know the aluminum rod that that holds the the bottle reel to the adjustment we've had them just snap the aluminum rod just right in half i mean they they got they got some horsepower man um Especially if you shoot a big one that is the boat is going forward and it crosses you swimming the other way. Yeah. Because by the time you shoot it and it's taken off the other way, the momentum of the boat's going one way, that ray's going the other. It's almost spooled you before you can get your line tight. And, um, you know, we've literally had to have other people grab the people and get extra hands on the bows to make sure, uh, you know, a couple smaller people or whatever don't get ripped off the boat. That's awesome, man. They, they got some horsepower. That they, is they're awesome. Called, they're called cow nose because they're ugly. And, I mean, if you look at a picture of one, they do kind of got a big cow nose looking face. But I don't know. They they got horsepower. Let me That's tell you. That's awesome, dude. It's kind of, they kind of look like they'd fight kind of like a brim in freshwater where they just kind of turn sideways against you and just you're pulling against the the them swimming away from you but also just the the fact that they're so flat you know oh yeah yeah and if you depending on where you hit it you know when you have a fish hook do you think and this is i guess another thing that that translates to i guess something else different about fishing and boat fishing generally when you have a fish hooked it's in the mouth and you know, you can kind of direct that fish right, left, uh, get it to go up or down. You know, an experienced fisherman, he can be fighting a fish and say, this feels weird. I think this fish might be foul hooked. You know, you you, you hook, get a fish hooked in the side or across the back or something. And you can feel, by the way, it's fighting, it's foul hooked because you can't direct it. Well, unless you're doming them and shooting them right in the head, um, which I'm all about force feeding them arrows and shooting them right in the head. Uh, if you ever watch my Instagram, especially my Instagram story, I'm all about doming them, but it, you never know, you know, if you shoot a fish in the back and it's taken off or especially a ray toward the back end, you got no way to get that thing to turn back to you. So no matter how you are pulling it, it's still pulling away. Um, but you know, that, that's the thing you just, you just got to hit it. You just got to hit it and hold on. And that goes with any fish. You know what I mean? You you let that arrow go. If you hit it, pull it in, pull the arrow out, do it again. That's so cool, man. Yeah, so, I mean, I rarely do rod and reel fishing anymore. I mean, I, I grew up on it. I loved it. I still love it. I still get out and do catch some fish. But, you know, something about waiting for a fish to bite and, and – just going out and force feeding them. Um, it's yeah, I, I'm, I'm usually picking up the bell. So 
let me ask you this. If you were given the, the opportunity to go on, on just an absolute slammer bow fishing trip or a perfect hunt in the middle of the rut with the bow, which would you choose? Oh, I'd take the perfect rut. Yeah. <laughs> Is it, yeah. It has, it, um, it's not that big of an obsession yet. Well, I mean, it is, but it's almost, uh, I don't know. It's like goose hunting, you know, like you, you, you shoot enough geese to where a deer is more of an individual. Let me put it that way, because that deer has more individual character, more, it's more of just an individual animal and achieving experience. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic if I kill one good whitetail buck a year, but I mean, I'm going out and shooting sometimes I've shot over a hundred fish in more than two nights in a week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Jeez. So it's not, it doesn't quite hold the same yeah. kind of excitement, but yeah, one time we almost sunk my boat with too many fish. Yeah. Um, Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when, we started the boat. I couldn't get up on plane. And because we had first filled a 50 gallon drum with, I mean, and I'm talking all pretty much 20 pound plus carp. Um, we had filled a 50 gallon drum and then we just filled the remainder of the boat. When I tried to get the boat up on plane because of all them fish stacked up where the barrel was. Yeah. The rest of the fish kind of slid across the floor and the slime toward that side. Oh, no. And I had two real big boys on the boat and me, and we were all on one side. And the back corner of my boat, no bullshit, was a- an inch from taking on water. Um, yeah, we, we almost we almost <laughs> went <laughs> over with too many fish on board. <laughs> oh, man. That is crazy, dude. So, yeah. so you're good friends with... Uh, a buddy of mine uh, who happens to be my spo- uh, one of our sponsors as well, and Andrew does a lot of bow fishing. Yeah, but man. He doesn't do That's it for one race. Of the things that we we got kind of connected about, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I think I think what we need to do is I think uh, this this upcoming summer, bro. I need to like try and catch a flight up there, and and the three of us need to get together. And, Dude, my, and my door is open and I got a bow ready for you. <laughs> See? Um, and I know you've been training and practicing with your recurve and all. So, I mean, this is just the same. It's instinctive shooting, draw back, let go. You know what I mean? Well, and, and the funny thing is I cut my teeth. So I've done some bow hunting. I don't, con- uh, bow fishing. I don't consider it uh, in the same, anywhere near the same league as what you and Andrew did, but we used to shoot gar off of the off the the docks at night and we i had this like 45 and that brings you back to that point you mentioned earlier like what does it take to bow fish right you you don't need a boat you know you used to do it off of docks for gar there's other people that they can just stand on a bank and shoot carp there's other people they can wade the shallows and, and shoot catfish um you know, pretty much wherever you are, there, there's there's a way for you to shoot and a way for you to get into bow fishing without having to break the bank. You know, that's what I started. I started shooting from the bank and around ponds and, yep. and and different rivers that it was allowed and things like that until I progressed. And, you know, now I got a boat. Um, buddies of mine have boats. And, you know, it's just just like anything else. The more you you, you dive into it, the more you're going to accumulate in it. But, oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. But sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, like I say, it's just something that yeah, I mean, just about anybody can get into. Whether you're just shooting gar off of a dock. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and so I bought a hundred dollar recurve. I brought it, bought it for a hundred dollars, brand new. It was a, it's a takedown. It was an aluminum riser with like polycarbonate or some kind of crazy, like probably fiberglass or composite lips. It wasn't wood or anything. It wasn't nice is what I'm getting at. You could have got this thing used at a pawn shop for like 40 bucks. 
and I took a, a, a stabilizer. And that's a good idea, actually. Get one from yeah. a pawn shop for 40 bucks because a lot of times that thing's getting thrown around the boat exactly. in and out of the truck, and exactly. you're beating it up pretty good anyway. Big so. t- you, drop it, you're, you, you throw it down the moment you grab the fish, you know, and yep, I, yep. I went to Walmart, and I got a basic, like, steel-ish, it was some kind of metal stabilizer, and I zip-tied, and I'm talking, this is some redneck rig stuff here, y'all. I zip-tied a Zebco 808 to it. And I tie, and I just would like loosen the bail, tie that braid to my to my fiberglass arrow. I think all in, I was at 150 bucks. If you go to a pawn shop, you could be all in for 50 bucks. Like, yeah, like, yeah. This, the most expensive thing might be the freaking fiberglass arrow in the tip. You know, like yeah. And that's the other thing. It's the same thing. You can you can go with tips that are really expensive, or you can get some that are kind of generic and. And uh, I use pretty much um, mostly RPM products. I'm not um, familiar with them. I have to look them up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. R- RPM, um, they have really good customer service. They have some of the best products, uh, in my opinion. And I break pretty much everything I touch. And, and RPM stands up to what I'm, I'm putting out Um more significantly than pretty much anything else. Um, and another one I really like is Cajun and Fin Finder. Yep, Cajun Finder. I tell you what, Fin Finder. If if someone right now, if they were to ask, okay, what should I buy? I would say, and I'm not saying this just because I sell it. This is what I also have on my boat as my backup if something happens with my bow. Uh, the the Poseidon from Fin Finder. It comes with the, the winch from FinFinder, which is made by Cajun, it comes with uh, a rest, an arrow. It comes with everything you need to go out and shoot anything from a little goldfish to, you know, to, to a, a, a big gar or, you know, 60-pound catfish. It, it's got everything you need, whether you're shooting 40-pound draw or, you know, the great thing about if I have somebody – uh, either a female or someone younger on my boat that can't draw that couple cranks, I can take it down to 20 for them. Um, so it that is the bow I recommend to pretty much anyone ask me, what should I buy to get into it? Um, and that package, it's somewhere, it, it's right around 350 bucks. But that's the bow and everything you need, and it is, it's good. It's um, you, you, you're getting quality something that you're going to be able to use and like i said uh i've i've had people that have purchased from me and had a small problem and they contact me they get a hold of fin finder and make sure you know it's a a a legit purchase and everything and fin finder is taking care of everything um rpm their bows are kind of more of the upper end but um you know when it's something you get into and really dive into i mean you can be shooting 100 arrows a night easy um you know so every time you're drawing and pulling that bow sometimes it's nicer to have a nicer bow so yeah um i i really like the rpm products especially their arrows their their arrows and tips yeah yeah the point here folks if you haven't realized by now is this is something that you can get into if you give up a, a case of beer for two weeks uh, a week, depending on what kind of case of beer you drink, a- and you can get into it and have a lot of fun and progress very, um, at, at like a very even pace. Like you don't have to have a boat with LED lights. You can just go by uh, a, a basic system like what what Garrett's talking about. Go out there and sling a freaking arrow. Now, I do want to tell everybody you kind of need to check the regs in your state and where you're at because absolutely not absolutely. every fish can be speared. <laughs> absolutely, you you got to know your your local regulations and you have to know your your identifications. Um, you know, there's no catch and release with bow fishing. You know, you can't shoot it and say, "Oh, well, that's too short. Let it go." Yeah, that don't happen. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's. I tell you what, though. It's funny you say give up a case of beer and you can buy a rig. I can't tell you how many people they come out to go fishing with me and they'll bring a cooler full of beer, whatever, and they never open one. 
Really? You just uh, you you're you just get going. so ingrained into it because it's all sight fishing. It's yeah. all sight fishing yeah. and reaction. You're constantly moving. You're constantly looking, and you're letting arrows fly and just having a good time, you know. And it's it's kind of you, you don't really even have the time for it. Um, it, it's kind of funny how people expect to, you know. You think, oh, I'm going to have a couple beers on a fishing trip and how few people actually pick up a beer. <laughs> That's awesome, though. Yeah, it's it's just it's so intense and gets so captivating. The other thing, this is really funny because it happened to me and then to hear how many other people have told me this. It's just it, it, it's really uh, it, there's definitely a correlation and something funny here, but. I've had at least 10 people tell me after taking them out for shooting stingrays that they couldn't really sleep afterwards because when they would close their eyes, all they saw was stingrays swimming through the lights. What? And and I've had it happen to me too, and I've actually had it happen more than once. And I mean, what it is is – you're out there in pitch black, except for I have essentially 10 street lamps strapped and built into the deck of my boat. You know what I mean? I have literally 10 street lamps lighting up the water all around the boat. So you're in a big, you're in all darkness with this bright, bright circle of light. And then you're just looking for rays swimming through. And, and where you're shooting rays, you're not seeing vegetation. You're not seeing trees and stuff like that as if you're cruising shallows in a marsh for fish and stuff like that. It's, it's you know, maybe you're seeing the sand bottom, right. but you're not really seeing much. So <laughs> being in all that blackness with that bright spot and then you're only focused on rays. I mean, it's crazy. It, it really does just get stuck in your brain. <laughs> That's awesome, man. It is. It, it and it, it's just so much fun. You know, you can't stop thinking about it. That that's see, I, I never did anything that intense to where you know, like, well, it, anytime you want to come up, I, I can promise you, you, you will say, "Holy shit!" Just like <laughs> everyone else. <laughs> that sounds awesome. I mean, dude. like I said, that's the same reaction I get from everyone that sees my video. Again. Seriously, if you guys want to know what we're talking about and really get an understanding for this, you got to see the video. Um, and not only see the video, a big portion of why I did this video, and like I said earlier, is I like to educate. And I, and I like to educate myself. Um, in the description of this video, I literally used every letter that YouTube would let me input to make the description and give as much information as I possibly could as long as I could and really give true information about the cow nose rays and not, um, you know, maybe not everyone seeing this, but here in Maryland, it's become a big issue uh, to, to the point where anti-hunting groups have shut down tournaments for them and things like that. And it's like, I, I know that makes you feel better, but that is not helping the ecosystem, and, and the Chesapeake Bay is a lifeline of of Maryland. Um, the Chesapeake Bay provides so many watermen and waterways, um, but just all the watermen and traditions and families and business attached to the Chesapeake that are being affected by this. And they have to deal with it because someone else feels bad. It's it's just not right. No, we agree, dude. That's uh, it, and that's sad because realistically speaking, they're also hurting themselves in the process. Absolutely, right? because they are hurting their own ecosystem right. to protect that to protect their individual feelings. Exactly, and, and that's the worst part about it. Is uh, I and I understand it. They do look awesome, and I mean they are beautiful. And okay, and here's a perfect example. I was talking to you know while I was waiting for one of the guys to park the truck or do whatever, getting gear ready. I was talking to an old timer on the water. And he was looking at my boat and just, you know, asking right away, you going out for the raise? And yep, yes, we are. And he was telling me that he has been on the water almost every day, except for when it is frozen for the past 60 years. 
And he said when he was out on the water with his grandfather, that if you saw a cow nose ray, it was something pretty cool. And if you actually got to see a small group of them, five or six of them swimming together in a little diamond like that, like that could be kind of the highlight of the summer on the water. Really? That that was something rare to see and something special to encounter on the water. And now they literally go up and down your crab lines and not only eat the crabs, but they're eating all your crab and clam bait as well. They'll just suck the clams right out off, off and, you know, crush the bags of razor clams and just that's that. They eat the crabs and the clams. And it's nothing to go out. And, you know, if we're shooting 50 or 60 of them, we're not getting all of them. You know, we may pull up to a group of five and we shoot two. We we're we're seeing usually three times, four times the number that we put in a boat. Right. So we could be seeing we've seen well over 100 in a school at a time. Wow. And, and it's funny. A, a school of rays is called a fever. Um, That's funny. It's it's appropriate as well. But, you know, this old timers talking about how in the back in the day to see a group of five or six of these things go through the water was a treasure because they are a native species and they were part of the ecosystem and they were in balance with the ecosystem then and how it was kind of, you know, something special to see on the water and something you told your friends about and remembered. And and the thing is that these people really need to understand too is most of the people that are involved with the DNR uh, it, you know, and w- whatever your local wildlife division is and everything, a lot of times they're viewed as bad guys or dummies and everything else. And the thing is, is they're there because of their love of this stuff. Right. It's not like they decided, oh, I'm going to go work with wildlife every day because they get- didn't give two shits about wildlife. You know, it's because right. it was a passion of theirs. And they're putting the rules and regulations in place to make it sustainable resource. So every year we can go out and do this and people don't understand too, that uh, things need to be kept in balance. There, there is no more cruel balancing act and method than the methods of mother nature. I mean, as soon as something is overpopulated, it's starvation it's disease, it's, uh, you know, a death from competition, and none of these are pleasant deaths, and it takes a long time for it to then, like you said, for that pendulum to swing back in before it's ever going to settle back in place. Yep. Yep. Nailed it, dude. You nailed it. You got, I feel like we've we've run our course on the cow nose ray. Do you have any closing thoughts to, to, to bow hunting or bow fishing? I keep saying bow hunting. You can tell that it's on my mind right now. Oh, yeah, it's on everybody's <laughs> mind. Like I said, I'm I'm shooting every day, and I'm I'm getting ready for whitetail, but I'm still wrapped up in bow fishing, and I'd be far behind compared to what anyone else is concerned in the whitetail world. Um, but, yeah, um, well, let, to, before we wrap up, uh, we were talking about Andrew earlier. Yeah. Uh, and Wild Edge Inc., your, your oh, yeah. uh, official podcast sponsor. Yeah. You want me to take it from there? Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. So, uh, guys, we have uh, decided to do another giveaway. Andrew and I uh, have been talking, and uh, he has seen an overwhelming uh, amount of people coming from the podcast. And as his way of saying thank you, he wants to do a giveaway. What we're going to do is Andrew is going to allow you to build your own custom set of steps from the Wild Edge story. There's the build your own set uh, option there on his website. We're going to give away one custom set and an aider from Wild Edge Inc., that's awesome. Anybody that doesn't know what that is needs to look it up. It's going to change the way you uh it's gonna change the way you climb a tree. Um and I tell you what, since he's doing that, I'll throw in one of my modern assassin face masks, and whoever the winner is, they can contact me and whatever hat that I have to offer they choose, I will throw that in there Dude, for them too. 
That is freaking awesome, man. Okay. I, I, they'll enjoy that. And I'm telling you, when they when more people find about this stepladder, it is it's it's gonna change how a lot of people hunt. Dude, it is. It is changing the way people are, are hunting. I, I, I get questions on a daily basis. I welcome them. Do you you, you use the stepladder, right? Now I have used it to trim shooting lanes and I have used it to hang cameras. I have not had it during a hunting season. That's why I have not had it to hunt, but gotcha. you're damn right. When hunting season comes in, I got it and I will be putting it to use. <laughs> My man, what are you, what, what, what are you uh, anticipating using? What set and how many? Um, well, a, a lot of it I'm anticipating on using on public land in the marshes. Um, and when I'm hiking through knee deep muck, you know, a few extra pounds one side or the other can mean the difference of you, um, you know, being dry in a tree and being soaked in <laughs> stanky marsh mud up in a tree. Um, so it, it really depends. I really got to play with it. And that's the best thing about his little, you know, build your own system um, and the aider. You get the aider and you can, you know, at least double your effective climbing length with the same amount of steps. So yeah, that, that's a really cool product. I'm seriously excited to be using it this year. I'm thrilled. That, I'm thrilled that you're using it, dude. I, it, it was something that I was so hesitant to use at first. Like I recognized its potential, but I'm going to be completely honest with you. I was lazy. I was so freaking lazy, dude. I was like, I don't want to learn how to use this. And I finally convinced myself to do it. I talked to Andrew. We got it going. And dude, I have, I'm not even looking back. Exactly. Well, let's do this then, man. This was my idea of how to do the giveaway. So you let me know if, if you're cool. We were going to do uh, follow on YouTube, follow on Facebook, and follow on Instagram. We'll do my platform, your platform, and Andrew's platform. Does that sound good? Yeah, man. Um, I know you're getting ready to you, – you were talking about starting up a YouTube again. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I've got – speaking of YouTube, I – right now um, – who knows? They may even be up by the time this podcast is released. I have two more bow hunt videos I'm about to put up. Um, so definitely check my YouTube for that and go to Andrew's YouTube for the stepladder and learn about the stepladder. I mean, the, once you see it, you're going to be curious. And I tell you, what really sells it is when you see it in action. You know, when, when, as soon as I saw him at the show and I saw the product and he explained it sold i walked away with him you know what i mean it, yeah sold it's it's uh, yeah it's 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 simple so that's awesome that he he's going to give them one of them away a set of them away so yeah i'll throw in a a hat of whoever wins their choice and i'll throw in a face mask with it too dude that's freaking awesome man i can't thank you enough for doing that so so here's the rules so that in case any of that was was unclear follow all three of us jason tales the modern assassin and wild edge on youtube facebook and instagram and comment on i'm gonna make an instagram post comment on that instagram post that you've done so and tag a friend and I'll enter you into the drawing. I'll tell you what, I'll even say this. You can tag us. This is a big giveaway. This ain't something nah, little. I mean, that, nah. that's winning a set of steps this, is, a, is a pretty damn good deal yeah, for yeah. whoever's listening and don't quite know <laughs> what they're getting. And, and I'm going to run this. Let's run this for um, two weeks from the time that this episode drops. I'm going to post. You can tag as many people as you want to, and I'll give you double entries. I'll give you another entry for every person that you tag down there. So, don't the deal. don't miss this opportunity to get your set your hands on the easiest way to climb a tree into your deer stand this year. Some dope ass swag from from the modern assassin himself, and we are going to because people have been asking and because uh, Garrett himself actually encouraged me as well. I'm gonna start posting the podcast to YouTube so that if you're at work or you don't have an app or you just want to share it with your buddy, you can do so easily and. If, if you've been paying attention to the Facebook page, I kind of been leaking little little hints here and there. I might be starting to upload videos of hunting tips, of, of DIY projects that I, that I go on, scouting trips. I might be starting to load that on YouTube. Shh, it's a secret. But y'all subscribe. Take advantage of this thing. Garrett, dude, thank you so much for taking the opportunity to jump on the show tonight, man. This has been great. 
and and I, I we want I wanted to talk about bow hunting as well. So that just means you're gonna have to jump back on the podcast here shortly. We're gonna have to talk bow hunting, brother. Well, I tell you what, too. You know, we got into the cow nose rays, um, but uh, there's another real big thing going on up here in Maryland concerning the bow fishing, and that is the invasive species of the snakehead. Oh, and that is a complete uh, another rabbit hole, if you will, of um, <laughs> information and what these creatures are. So we may have to do another one about uh, uh, about bow fishing, too. And uh, seriously, um, anybody, if anybody's interested in this, if I can help you, I will just shoot me a message on Instagram um, and I'll get back to you. I will help you in whatever way I can as far as information. I sell a lot of bow fishing products. Um, if it's not on my website, I may still be able to add it. So, I mean, any little bit of business from anyone helps. And I try to price things as effectively as I can, as comparable to everything else, even if I'm not making money. Um, there are products that I literally sell that I don't make money on. But I'm getting stuff in people's hands. I'm getting my name out and I'm getting more people out on the woods or, or, or on the water. You know what I mean? So, and guys, even if it's a couple dollars more, wouldn't you rather your money go to a guy who's willing to get on a podcast and share information with you rather than some dude that owns Cabela's or Bass Pro Shops? I mean, come on, that's a no brainer. So I, I truly appreciate <laughs> the support with, uh, you know, every and any order, no, no matter how big or small. So that's awesome, dude. Garrett, if you'll hang on one second, I'm gonna wrap this thing out, but I want to chat with you still. Sounds good, brother. Guys, this has been an awesome podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed the discussion. Y'all know me. I, I, I love any time that we can take conservation, merge it into our outdoor activities, because the reality is those two things are synonymous. Our outdoor activities allow us to have the precious resources outside that we enjoy and other people enjoy to be sustained for future generations. So get outside, buy a hunting license, buy a fishing license, and help the future of conservation and have a damn good time while you're at it. Until next time, y'all be good. Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.